0: O-U-T-D-O-O-R and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether and Fully Loaded Chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com.
1: Welcome to the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast with your hosts, Nate Thomas and Michael Winstead. What's going on, my friend? It is almost midnight. That's what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, you know what's funny is we pretty much bitch about this on every episode. And the listeners has got to be like, all right, we get it. You record stuff late. <laughs> yeah. Quit crying. Yeah.
2: Dude, started shooting the... Uh thumb release today like real consistently i like because i know you shot it at only shot it twice over there oh you only okay yeah we we got together saturday and did some shooting and some scheduling but uh and andy andy he was actually the one he gave me his old thumb release because he's not used to it anymore (laughs) and i was like talking to him and i've been wanting to try one so uh but today was the first time i actually went out there and shot probably oh no probably 50 to 100 times i don't know i didn't keep track but shot a lot 50 to 100 yeah 5200 somewhere around there and uh dude i like it i like it a lot i still i mean i still was not i definitely had a few times where i'm like oops (laughs) that didn't look good but
1: you know it is what it is so yeah and we uh we shot like you were saying saturday together all of us um we kind of have a Elk meeting and talk about what we're gonna do. And this year's a little different for all of us because Russell and uh, Brandon drew New Mexico, mm-hmm. so they're not gonna be with us. And so we're kind of trying to decide what we're gonna do. The rest of us unlucky bastards that didn't draw right. New Mexico, um, and and then usually we we shoot our bows and we had some fun. But dude, so this is the latest I've ever. Started shooting right. I've usually way before June. Mm-hmm. I've I've started shooting just by myself at home a lot of times, and by the time we get together, I'm I'm feeling good. Right, dude. It you forget a lot. Like it's amazing how foreign it feels after a couple months of not shooting.
2: Yeah, I mean I
1: shot, and you you know it comes back pretty quick. But you're like, holy hell, I missed that by
2: def- three def- inches. Yeah, definitely rusty. Yeah, I shot a handful of times before Saturday, but not, not consistently. But, yeah, I was definitely
1: feeling feeling off a little bit. But. Yeah. By the end of the night, I felt a lot better. Uh, I mean, I don't think any of us shot bad, which is nice no. for having some rust on us. But, you know, going back to that show we had with Greg about practice. yeah, This is why you start shooting your stuff now or mm-hmm. before now. And not picking your bow up on September 10th. Right. And throwing three arrows downrange and then wondering why you missed that deer. Uh, when we talked about that mental game of bow hunting a few weeks ago with him. Mm-hmm. You know, this the stuff that we experienced on Saturday is exactly why. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, so,
2: but to get into the show, uh, today we had somebody come on to do a Tales of the Chase, and it was, he actually approached us about it, and we had we were like hey why not. Yeah, so, let's have some fun. His yeah. name
1: uh Tanner Staffy. Um a, a local another Missouri boy lives yeah. in the Boot Hill. As as far south in the Boot Hill as you can basically get, that's where Tanner lives. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, Tanner's a, a decently new bow hunter. Yeah, I think he started bow hunting in 2018, 1718, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, something like that. No, he started bow hunting in 2018. Uh, He killed a buck with uh, his rifle in 17. Maybe that was it. But uh, so he's a decently new bow hunter, talks about his experiences in 2018. And the actual, the Tales of the Chase portion of it is a buck he harvested in 2019 uh, with his bow, first buck with his bow. Um, And he kind of goes through all that. Does a real good job of talking about what he's learned. Uh, Honestly did some smart things. For being a new bow hunter, quote unquote, that uh-huh. um, you know it's really, really probably helped him uh, kill that guy. Plus, he had to work, and that probably helped him too. Because <laughs> yep. I agree, he probably would have been out there. And we all do that.
2: Oh you yeah. Know, when it comes to whenever you first get that, you know, that passion for it, and you just want to be out there as much as you physically can. Yep. And a lot of times, that's not a good thing. You know, usually that backfires. It's a
1: good thing for you, but you don't realize you're right just you're burning toast in that area yeah you're just leaving your
2: scent you're kicking up deer and you know i mean unless you're just some perfect hunter you know you're messing stuff up right and uh so but it it ended up working out for him and like like you said he does he does makes a lot smart moves and uh you know he was able
1: to uh you know have success yeah so it's a good show um before we get into it we've got a few sponsors we need to shout out today uh, first one we're gonna we have is Alps Outdoors. Mm-hmm. Uh, as everybody knows, we talk about them being another Missouri-based company that uh, we are uh, partnered with. Um, so if you're looking, you know, I would say now's the time to start doing stuff. Uh, if yeah. You're looking for some packs, you know, any type of uh, gear. I think they're they're starting to get caught up finally. Yeah, the stocks things. stocks are finally starting to get replenished. Yeah, so check them out at AlpsBrands.com. Uh, and, uh, you know, I actually got a new pack from them the other day. I like that one. And too. I'm going to use it for coyote and deer hunting. Yeah. Uh, and I got my coyote set up on it right now. Actually, it's the Alps Outdoors Pursuit pack, I think. And, um, I got my tripod in it and I got my little stool that I'm going to use. Um, kind of ready to go. And I think it's going to work real good for coyote hunting and um uh, i'm sure i know it'll work good for for deer hunting so i'm excited about that yeah because no, i did like... not have a good coyote set up before no
2: you didn't you were kind of struggling and
1: i had to like carry your you crap carry my <laughs> you so, had to carry my chair uh, I'm, I'm glad you upgraded <laughs> yeah so. so uh oh you had to carry my crap in your alps pack yeah yeah in my pack <laughs> yeah so uh, so there's alps and then our our second partner for today's episode is huntworth huntworth yeah. gear um they're also starting to kind of really gear up their inventory, I think, too. Mm-hmm. But um they sell some really uh affordable, high quality stuff. So camouflage.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we really enjoy it. Uh we like their patterns. We we like the way it fits and I like the way it feels in my body. Yeah. It feels really good on the body. <laughs> but no, uh if you guys are, you know, looking for new camo this year, maybe go check them out, you know, if you're on a budget or something like that. I mean, you're getting budget prices, but you're getting, you know, excellent gear. So uh, if you do want to save 15%, um, what it,
1: it's Code M- MWW15.
2: Yep, and that'll save you 15%. So, With and, unworth, it, yeah. and I wonder if you can, because they also run a deal, if you spend over 100 you get free shipping. So I wonder if you can double that up. Probably. I would uh-huh. assume so. <laughs> I don't see why not. So, you know, save 15% plus get free shipping. That's fifteen
1: minutes can save you fifteen percent. Well, your I usually spend insurance. more
2: than fifteen minutes looking at what kind of gear I want to buy. But it's a Geico commercial. I understand that. It just wasn't very good. It, I, I I said it exactly how it goes. I understand that you said that, and exactly how it went. I just said it just wasn't a good joke.
1: <laughs> I wasn't trying <laughs> to be a joke. Andy's not here. It's not a dad joke. Like, okay. you know, I actually followed a dad joke Facebook page. So now you're just every once in a while scrolling through them. I just and followed it And just start yesterday. laughing. So I, I might try to try to slip one in, but I don't think it's going to go well. Uh, Andy is the dad joke guy. No, nah, he's definitely better at it than yeah. us. Yeah. Dude, last week's show, he slipped that in just like so nonchalantly. I didn't even know it was coming. I'm excited
2: for it. I Because I wasn't there last week. You haven't night. heard it yet. Yeah. yeah. So I haven't heard it. I don't even know what's coming. It's
1: it's coming. So, But all right. Uh, Without wasting too much more time, let's get into our show with Tanner Staffy, Tales of the Chase. This is the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. All right, with us tonight Tanner Staffy. What's up, buddy? How's it going, man? It's going. Hey, you want to do a clock check real quick for Tanner? Clock check. 10:11. It's 10:11 at night. Jeez. We're starting an episode with Tanner. So, we are Can burning bur- we're going to be burning the midnight oil by the yeah, end of this. Yeah, a little later than what we normally do. Yeah, it was going to be a late start anyway and then I was 30 minutes late. So, yeah. Tanner, thank you for coming on. Uh we kind of talked back and forth through Insta- Instagram, uh, and then our show this week kind of fell through, and I thought, hey, let's ask that dude yeah. to come on, and uh, here we are, so thanks for con- coming on, buddy. Um, before we get into the show, why don't you uh, introduce yourself right quick, tell everybody where you're from, and uh, I, pr- I didn't prep you on this, so you're on the spot, but... Tell us what one of your favorite things about the outdoors in Missouri is.
3: All right, man. Uh, absolutely. Uh, like you said, I know it was uh, last minute, but, you know, like, I, like we discussed earlier, I'm a young cat, so it's uh, <laughs> not me a whole lot. But uh, like you said, my name is Tanner Staffy. I'm a uh, fellow Missourian like you guys, but uh, I'm located in the very east uh, point of Missouri, uh, the boot hill so to speak and uh man the i would say what gets me about missouri is uh man the challenge right everybody bashes uh that i know bashes missouri for being a uh, highly uh hunter populated state a lot of pressure um i like the fact that uh you know it's challenging i i think uh when you add a mix of pressure in you know that that just makes you have to increase your knowledge of uh of deer for one and uh you know lay of the land uh because not only are you looking for deer but you're looking for a way around people so i would say yep. a challenge man i love the challenge
1: yeah, yeah that's it uh, first
2: time we've heard that answer no, uh, that's a I good answer that, one. that was yeah. a good
1: one yeah uh And for the people that might not have heard it, I think he cut out a little bit. Uh, Tanner lives down in in basically 50 miles north of Arkansas and in the Boot Hill. So he's you know he's probably the most southeastern guest we've had. Um, We actually talked to a fella. uh, I was on a podcast called the, and if you haven't heard of this guy, you need to listen to him. It's called the Boot Hill Hunting Camp Podcast, and they are out of. Somewhere around Cape, I think. Um, but he was the most southern at one point in time that I talked to in, in Missouri. So you, I think you got that one beat. But what yeah, is? It is a, like a, I don't know that. I know I've been down close to you, but what's the? Uh, what's what's the lay of the land down there where you
3: are? Uh, dude, it is flat. Completely, <laughs> That's what I thought. Completely flat. Uh, you. Like I said, you get up around the uh, the Cape region, you're gonna start running into uh, rolling rolling hills. Um, still a lot of ag land, but down here, man, it is just ag fields for as long as you can see. Um, just completely flat. Um, yeah, it, it's a uh, it's a little different.
1: And, and it, is a lot of them ag fields cotton fields?
3: Yes, <laughs> that's what I, I remember uh,
1: when I was down there. Yeah,
3: right. Yeah. Uh, it's a uh, big one. Is is cotton, cotton, corn, beans? Um, yeah, a lot of cotton around around where I live.
1: Yeah, when you think of Missouri and farming, you don't think of cotton. No, like, down I, in, I definitely don't. Down in the southeast part of the state, you know, when I when I'm down there traveling for work, you know, around Sykeston, you start seeing it, and then a lot of times I'll take sixty all the way from Sykeston across the southern part of the state if I'm going back to Springfield, and you start seeing them down there uh, in the southeastern part of the state. So yeah, cool. it's you know it's it's interesting because the first time I was down there, I'm like, what in the hell is that? You know, and I'm like, oh, you know what? That's white. I bet that's
3: cotton. <laughs> uh, so and you would uh you would be really surprised how many people live in Missouri and have never seen cotton.
1: I agree. Uh, we yeah. Get,
3: yeah, we get that a lot. I mean, especially if you venture anywhere north. Of St. Louis or anything like that it, it's uh it's a rarity
1: yeah it is um okay so today's show is going to be a tales of the chase episode what's cool about Tanner's story is Tanner just really started bow hunting in 2018 so we're going to go through Tanner's uh experiences and we're going to get into a buck that he was able to harvest in 2019 and you know how it all came together for him um you know some of the uh, things he learned and all those all the things that got him to that point and now you know and we're going into the 2021 season um this guy is screwed cuz <laughs> you know, obviously you you caught the bug in 2018 and I'm right. guessing you're still sick with it in uh, 2021 going into it so uh I guess on behalf of every other bow hunter out there welcome to the club it's a fun one um but, uh, so let's just start, you know, when you first started with the desire to bow hunt, had you, had you hunted before that with a rifle?
3: Yes, I was, uh, you know, you're a typical, uh, mm-hmm. or army, uh, soldier. I, uh, would always hunt, you know, use season. And, uh, I got to credit that to my, uh, my grandpa for that. Cause he was the one that, that took me, uh, I started when I was six And I was your typical youth orange army cat. And, uh, that, you know, transformed the regular rifle season here in Missouri. And I saw growing up, I was just all rifle hunting and I did have a bow, uh, when I was fairly younger, but I was not accurate with it and didn't spend any time, hardly any time bow hunting when I was younger. Um, like, I didn't even know that Missouri's bow season opened on September 15th until, like, my senior year of high school. Right. So, um, so that's how, that's how uh, I've always had a love for deer hunting. I've always, like, been around it, you know, like I said, starting at six years old. So, uh, I've definitely been around, but I would, like I said, my passion started uh, when I got serious about bow hunting in 2018.
1: So you kind of, it was one of them deals where you have always hunted, but yeah, where you, you were almost looking for something more like, okay.
2: How do I spend more time out in the how, woods? How, yeah, <laughs> how can
1: I do this more than just 10, you know, after you turn whatever age you can be to youth hunt a, after 14, 15, 16, whatever the hell it is, how can I get more than 10 days? <laughs> you know, yes. cause that's what you get if you're just <laughs> rifle hunting and yeah. You know uh it sounds like you were you you started looking for something more, which I think a lot of guys and gals when they get into bow hunting, that's the reason is whether they killed a lot of deer with a rifle or not what more is there? There's got to be a more you know more of a challenge that's probably why a lot of compound hunters then get in traditional bows well, there's a, a, a harder thing out there to do. So, <clears throat> uh, yeah, take us through 2018. Um, did you use the same bow you had, or did you go get a new setup?
3: Right. I uh, So, being fresh on the, the bow hunting scene, uh, the bow that I had previous to 2018 was just like your basic diamond, uh, you know, youth bow package. And I was, uh, 2018, I was... Uh, you know, fully functioning adult, and mm-hmm. uh, decided, to and I actually stayed with a diamond, but um, uh, I got the the diamond. I think it was like an SB1 Edge, which was like at the time their most uh, adjustable bow. And uh, so I got my I got my kicks with that bow in 2018. It was just a, a cheaper bow, something that I could get my hands on quick. Uh, set up quick and be in the woods faster. And I would say that that switch got turned in my head. Uh It was actually after a harvest of mine in 2017 and with a rifle. Mm-hmm. And I knew there, there was, there was more time in the season than like you said, than just what I had during rifle season. And the only way I was going to get that was with a bow. So, um, so I took, I took the opportunity, watched a ton of YouTube. I'm a big YouTube guy. Even back then I was watching, you know, uh, uh Midwest whitetail was a yep. huge, huge factor, uh, back then. And once I saw a couple episodes of those guys, um, man, that, you know, kind of consumed me. Uh, so I give, uh, give credit to, uh, the bug bite me. Uh, to that diamond bow uh it's crazy but that's uh, that's how it started um
1: did you have any friends that also bow hunted that you know kind of helped you learn certain things or were you kind of all on your own
3: uh back at that time uh none of my friends were uh seriously bow hunting i've had a few friends that are that are committed deer hunters, but they were kind of like me more, more towards the gun side of things. And, uh, so it was all pretty much, uh, something that I picked up on my own and something that I wanted to start doing, you know, cause I, when I hunted, I was always with my, with my grandpa. And, uh, so it was kind of a thing that we both could do. You know, he had a crossbow. I had a whole week uh, together that way and uh so that's that's uh like i said where i where i got my start
1: and that can make it harder i mean when you're kind of
3: well that can make uh, it really you gotta hard.
1: basically self self teach yourself i guess you call it i mean self motivate yeah i mean and especially if you really didn't mess with a bow that much before you went and bought that that new diamond i mean I... what do you do for a release did you have anything you got to figure out what you're going to do there what you good? what are you going to do for arrows what are you going to do for uh broadheads all these different things that you got to make these decisions and you don't really have anybody to bounce the idea off of you know like when i started bow hunting i had ever i had all you guys to be like hey does this hell i I bought my brother-in-law russell's bow that's my i still i still shoot that bow today was my first bow that i actually it's not the first bow i had the first serious bow i guess you'd call it right Mm -hmm. you know but i had these guys to say well what broadhead should i buy what arrow should i get Mm -hmm. you know and i pretty much used what my family was using at the time and i'm sure micah you were the same way with yeah i had a buddy
2: i started serious bow hunting i was either a senior or i was right out of high school was when i picked up the bow and i had a good buddy that he he'd been doing it for a while and so i had all those ideas you know hey you know i had those questions hey what, what do i do in this situation how do i you know how do i do yeah. this how do i put a d loop on or whatever and he knew it also. i mean that's where i got started and then you know i've had friends along the way that you know yeah. just keep that motivation going
1: and you know for all the complaints about the hunting industry and i've got my fair share of them but you know there are really nice things about podcasts and youtube that help people kind of like tanner that I mean, the dude probably got on YouTube and probably listened to some people's podcasts, you know, and stuff like that to help himself decide what he was going to do, you know, maybe some strategy strategy type stuff too. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff that pisses me off about the hunting industry. Sure. But uh, at the same time, there's a lot of things like that. I mean, I saw the hat you're wearing when you had it the other way around. The hunting public is a, a great Wealth of knowledge for people to to learn different strategies and you know uh, learn how to it don't have to be on you know public ground just to know to learn some new things so uh, that's pretty cool that you took the initiative to basically go out on your own and say hey I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna make it harder on myself and uh, we're gonna spoil it here but the first year you started bow hunting you actually were successful.
3: Right, that don't ever happen. Um, um, so like, like I said, I credit uh, credit a lot of YouTube to uh, my my hunting approach, and I definitely think that, uh, especially for new hunters, man, that's really you know uh, why I enjoy talking to you guys, man, is because I think uh, there's a lot of newcomers uh, in the industry that uh, that need that need guidance, so to speak, and, um, you know, it's definitely out there. It's definitely a whole lot easier for somebody to come into uh, the industry now and be, uh, you know, be able to take the right steps towards success. And um, I was able to buy the bow 2018 and within a week take it to a bow shop, get it set up, and started shooting accurately at 20, 30, and 40 yards uh, just after a couple sessions with the, with the bow shop uh, mechanic and um, yeah. So um, I would say uh, that is rare. Definitely. I know it was rare to hunt uh, seriously with a bow and to make the 2018 highlight even better. I actually killed on the opening day of 2018 september so 15th time, yes the Dang. opening the opening day of 2018 bow season i was able to harvest my first doe uh with a bow, and that was uh that was it that was uh what made me uh uh just fall in love with it even more
1: until after you got done with shooting her and you realized it was a 100- hundred effing degrees <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> hot, hot as balls yeah. uh,
2: <laughs> but no that's awesome man. yeah yeah congratulations yeah. on that and I, I know i'm sure your heart was about ready to beat out of your chest
3: yeah i wasn't uh the i guess it, i mean it was your typical typical dole harvest story uh it was later in the afternoon about 30 minutes till uh legal shooting light and she crept in down a trail that I was set up on, and completely caught me off guard. I actually looked up, and she was standing 20 yards broadside in in one of my shooting lanes, and I, it was just meant to be. She actually saw me; was watching me the whole time. I had my bow, and it's just <laughs> oh, I'm sitting here like making eye contact, and I'm grabbing my bow while. While she's looking at me, and she started to turn, and and like I'm sure she was getting ready to run, and she actually turned around, did a did a 180, and was heading back in the direction she came in. And I was able to draw back, stop her, send one through her. I watched the arrow uh, just just land land perfectly, and I heard her crash. And uh, man, it was uh I, I don't know, man. I I think I think I'll be chasing that for a long time.
1: Yep. Right, no feeling like it. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why we chased it. Not, and I'm sure you probably hunted more than that the rest of the the 2018 season with your bow. So right. you know, you got you killed her. Um, did you have anything else happen in 2018 that helped you learn uh, that that helped you going into 2019? That you, uh, I mean, did you have any encounters that you screwed up? Uh, you know, you feel like "Ah, I should have done this or should have done that, that helped you moving forward.
3: Okay. Um, so this book in particular that I was able to capitalize on in 2019. Um, so after, after the doe harvest, I seriously started, um, I already had trail cameras out. Um, and at the time I'm still, this property in particular that I've been hunting, I've actually been hunting since i was six say mm-hmm. uh, it's a permission farm we hunt on it based you know, fully based on uh, permission it was a good friend of my grandpa's and he allowed us to hunt it and uh it's all it is is it's just rolling rope hills and cattle pasture and you know i i would i would say it's private land but i think there's a huge difference in private land and permission land because at any time, you know, especially with those cattle farmers, uh, leasing the land for cattle, you know, they, they could pull in to the property whenever they wanted. And there's nothing that we could do or say about it. And we're not allowed to plant anything due to the, uh, you know, the cows because it'd just be a huge waste of time. Right. So I spent, the remainder of 2018, just, just trying to learn as much as I could from what the trail cameras were telling me. And, you know, at that point in my hunting career, um, I wasn't, wasn't playing the wind the way I should. I was uh, most of my pictures were at night and mainly because every chance I had to hunt, I was diving into spots that I was getting pictures of bucks and, Uh, You know, I was just, like I said, just the inexperience, I think, is what cost me um, on a few opportunities. But I had one trail camera picture of the deer that I later killed in 2019, and I had two encounters with him um, in the stand. Um, One of them was your typical uh, mid-November rut hunt, and I just caught a glimpse of him chasing the doe and I had one more encounter with him at the very end of the season in 2019 it was the last day of, uh, of season in 2019 I was actually able to capture a video of him uh, on my phone just uh, he was about 80 yards so well out of my my comfort range with that diamond and uh, so I, season ended and I knew that the bug, had, the bug had bit me, and I uh, was knew that I was gonna have to make a switch if I wanted to get even more serious um, about bow hunting. And I have a buddy of mine who, um, which I, you know, tip my hat to him as well. He's a huge, huge bow hunter. Has been a mentor to me since I started seriously bow hunting. And he is one of those guys that upgrades uh, mm-hmm. every every and so oh, you, you got a, up... you got a Russell too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Except uh, my Russell's name is, is Josh <laughs> and uh, he's a full cool cat, but um so he upgrades Bows every year and Matthews flagship bow from 2018 was their triax.
2: <laughs> That's and uh, yeah.
3: Right. So uh so coming into 2019 the the um he had, Josh actually reached out to me and asked if I was interested in um buying his triax. And uh, of course I was like man I don't really know if I'll have like the funds necessary to make it. Um And this is, you know, just this type of duty is, he was like, man, you tell, you tell me what you can pay me each month on the bow and we'll just work something out. So I was like, I was like, dude, I was like, are you kidding? Like you're being for real. And he was like, yeah. So he was asking $1,200 for the bow. And he, I was able to just make payments monthly until I, I paid it off. And, uh, I ended up getting the bow and, in late July, I believe. And once, so once you switch from a diamond to a a Matthews, it was just, it was just insane. Uh, I started shooting that bow, had it set up and just, I just fell in love with, uh, with bow hunt even more. I, I, I actually, um, sometimes I regret getting rid of that triax, but, uh, it was a great bow.
1: Oh, you, you've already gotten rid of it since then, huh?
3: Right, well, so (laughs) after 2019, uh, the bug, it it sunk itself even deeper into (laughs) it. That damn Japanese beetle, (laughs) they could get the hell out of me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, I actually, uh, I just went one more year newer, and I shoot a a verdict now. Yeah, and that's what Russell Uh, shoots. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, So before we get into 2019, uh you you kind of talked about the property a little bit but give the listener a a nice snapshot of the setup that you're hunting so you know no no addresses nothing like that but you know approximately how many acres are you on and and what is the setup and how do you typically try to you know i guess you could even talk about how you used to hunt it compared to how you started hunting it with your bow but just so you know when people are painting that picture for themselves they get an idea what what it is you were seeing
3: right so Uh, and, uh, if I ramble here, man, just just stick with me, but it's, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Um, so the property that, that we've hunted on, uh, just imagine you're going down the interstate and, uh, you look to your left or to your right and you see barbed wire fence with 20 to 30 head of cattle on each side of the road. And within that, within that pasture, just imagine seeing, uh, 20 to 30 to 40 acres of timber along the pasture, or maybe, uh, you know, maybe this pasture had a a thicket uh, along the middle of it with cattle ponds um, in the middle. And I would say, acreage wise, I would say it's just right at 200 acres, but it's divided between three pastures. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I break the pastures up by a north pasture a south pasture, and an east pasture. And uh, typically, I spent a lot of my time in the north pasture because that is the, the pasture that holds more uh, woods, more timber. Um, and just over the, the period of 2018, uh, I ran most of my cameras in the north. That's where most of my pictures were generating from. So that's why I spent more time there. But as I grew as a hunter, I started dispersing cameras, and uh, now I, uh, I hunt all three. But this year, uh, in particular, 2018, I focused on the north. And um, so, yeah, just, just imagine cows, green, yeah. <laughs> green, green, and barbed wire fences with, with very few trees for a stand.
1: Well, and then the trees, the timber that you do have, there's really no undergrowth because the cows graze everything, so it's, you know, it's pretty open most yeah. of the time. Probably,
2: know? I mean, are you seeing are you seeing a lot of numbers of deer, or are they kind of few and far between?
3: So it is very, um, very weather dependent. Um, so the the private properties that border the property that I hunt. Uh, are your typical uh, guys that don't have cattle, so they plant Mm -hmm. uh, food. Uh, They have man-made water holes on on both sides. So the property that I hunt sets up really well for transitioning. Um, I don't, now that I know better, I don't run trail camps during the summer just because we do not hold bucks throughout the summer. Uh, the farm that that I hunt is is very um, very active between October fifteenth all the way until the beginning of December. Um, so it, it's just a it's just a rut a rut farm, uh, which is if you think about it, man, it's that's really, perfect.
2: That's all you need.
3: This <laughs> is what what, but we do we do have a good number of does uh, that spend a decent amount of time on us. Um, so early season, uh, I, I try to concentrate, um, on does. And then obviously once bugs start showing up on camera, my, uh, my mindset changes a little bit.
1: Yeah. Uh, really. You hunt a property. That's a lot like one I hunt that I, I have. They're not three pastures, but we kind of break our farm up into three fields and they're all ag fields, but we have almost no timber at all. So we don't hold no bucks either, but we do have does and you know, our, our motto is we keep the ladies happy. The, the guys are going to show up, you know, and we do run cameras, uh, cause you know, it gives you an idea of who is around, you know, if that bucks there in the summer, there's a good chance you're going to see him at some point during the rut cause we know the ladies are there and right. I, 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 it's never a bad thing to be on a property that is near a good property, you know, I mean, yeah. Would you like to hunt that property where you could plant food plots and do whatever the hell you wanted? Sure. But it's not a bad thing to be next door or in between or in between two of them. Like you kind of talk about where you're just basically a travel corridor, but you know, you play your cards right and they'll be coming through. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, that's one of my old properties that I used to hunt. It's kind of the same deal. He had cows on there and it was only, we were probably only hunting, it was 46, 40, in between 40 and 60 acres. And we pretty much hunted a lot of the corners and stuff because Mm -hmm. that's where the deer would be crossing. They, they wouldn't stay on our farm, but they would cut through it almost every day. Yeah. So, and he's still
1: the biggest archery buck you've killed is, am I right?
2: Yeah. Still the biggest archery. Off that property. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he was cutting a corner. So, you know, he was, I don't know how many yards in or whatever but yeah if you can get them where they're moving to that's all you need yeah
1: so okay 2019 starts uh did you start hunting right away you know what was your plan were you were you trying to be a little more patient um you know what 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 did you do in 2019 uh when when the season started
3: right um i would definitely say like like i mentioned earlier I started to expand. Uh, I, I I broke away from what I was used to. Um, you know, I would see deer in the spots that I was hunting. So to me, I had to, if it's, if it's not broke, don't fix it mentality. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but obviously I knew from listening, uh, to everything that I was watching that, you know, the more pressure you apply, the less, the less deer you're going to see. And I knew that hunting the same two to three spots in one pasture was going to end up was going to end up costing me, had I t- had i seen time and time before, um, you know. But with a rifle, I could get away with it, right? Uh, but now I knew that I was not going to be able to, so I started to expand um, the spots uh, that I hunted, and so I just branched out. And it's it's hard to believe that I spent I spent most of my life hunting this property and limited myself to one pasture um but i started to branch out and i started running trail cams in the south in 2019 which was the first time that we had ever ran trail cameras in the south and it's mainly because it is all pasture so to speak there is hardly any timber on the pasture but it it borders two great properties um actually one is a hunting club And it's owned by a uh, elderly man who does not hunt. His property is just thick, gnarly. Uh, it is a great looking piece to hunt, and
0: uh, he just doesn't hunt.
3: And so I was finally just got got smart and started running trail cams. And one place that I ran a trail camera, so I would say probably in. August I started running trail camp just because in 2018 two bucks weren't showing up until uh, towards towards main the main part of hunting season and so in 20, 2019 I put one camera up in between it was a corner where mm-hmm. the the two private properties connected with our permission farm and it makes the fence makes an exact corner. There's the smallest section of timber uh, that connects the two. I had the trail camera set up. Just it's just your typical, uh, just typical bottleneck pinch, like between the two properties. The deer didn't go around the fence because there was an open pasture on the other side that the guys from the hunting club were hunting uh, heavily. And so the deer felt comfortable coming through that pinch because it had never been hunted before. Yeah. Um, so I just grew, I would say that's definitely how I grew as a hunter was uh, capitalizing on, on just, just getting out of my comfort zone. Um, so I started immediately picking up pictures of deer going into bow season. And I, there was a regular, Uh, regular doe family group using that trail camera. So I knew does were bedding close, and I figured that it was on the neighboring properties, of course, but I knew that during the rut bucks would use this uh, funnel to go back and forth between the food that was on the hunting club's property and the thick bedding on the elderly man's property. Um, So it just set up perfect. I was able to sneak in probably late August, hang a set, And I backed out, left it alone until uh, late September. I hunted there uh, a few times, uh, but all I was getting on camera were mainly does. Mm -hmm. I waited. Um, I I left the spot alone for probably mm, two to three weeks. And when I went back after the two to three-week break, I – check the trail cam and the deer that I harvested was the very first picture on there. And well, that's the a good start
2: th- to the card pool. Yeah. That's always nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
3: and, uh, and, 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 in years past, anytime I pull a card, it's just nighttime pictures, raccoons, does, you know, you're just, just didn't, I just really didn't know where to place my cameras at, but I had it down to a science this year. Um, uh, and so the very first picture was this deer and he was before he busted off um his uh, left side Brownstein, i would say he was probably your typical 125 1 130 class eight pointer and you know was it's got me excited um i had killed one deer um sort of that size but he was a six pointer just a huge six pointer mm mm-hmm uh, so I had never killed anything bigger than a six pointer. So when I saw this picture, I was like, man, that's, you know, if I see that deer, I'll, I'm going to shoot him. And, uh, even though I think, uh, he might've been just maybe three and a half, but I knew once I saw the picture that he was the same deer that I encountered the year before. And so once I saw him, I was like, man, that's, that's that buck. And, uh, so that, that kind of lit the fire. Um, I probably hunted that stand one time, one time too many, um, but um, the first and I had with him that year um, was a was a mid, mid-October cold front. Um, I'm not sure if you guys remember this one, in particular in 2019, but the cold front lasted for like four or five days in mid-October. 2019
1: trying to remember.
3: I've, what,
2: I've slept since then. I don't know, man. <laughs> trying to remember
1: what year I killed basket case. Was that 19 or 18? 18. Was it 18? Okay. Yeah, I, I don't remember, but, yeah, I'll believe you. <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, just, the, the, the cards played out right, and uh, I'll never never forget this weekend. And the, the cold front actually came through on a weekend that I had off from work. And uh, I, it still goes down as one of the best – uh deer hunting weekends that i've ever had um because to me when i when i go out on this permission farm in particular you know if i'm able to see uh multiple deer within one sit i consider it uh, a success just because um of the cows uh the lack of food and just the neighboring properties being so much better for these deer yeah Um, so I would say that the the weekend that I'm talking about, um, I think within two days, I saw, uh, upwards of 20 deer in two days, um, which was, it was groundbreaking, uh, to me because I had never seen that much activity and the encounter that I had with this buck, it was Saturday afternoon. I was hunting over this bottleneck. Uh, in particular, I knew there shouldn't be any rut activity uh, yet just because we're in mid-October. Um, but I remember leaning uh, up against the tree and watching two does come down uh, this bottleneck, and they stopped. And I remember them locking their ears, looking straight forward, and I'm watching them, and I'm like, man, something, something's up. And the sun's setting. Uh, it's already, you know, pretty cool. I was like, man, this, this just conditions are perfect. I was just enjoying the, uh just, just taking in the scenery, pretty much. And I happened to hear, just barely hear, like a twig, like kind of break. I mean, we've all, we've all been there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, 99 what times it out of
1: hundred, it's a freaking squirrel. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well. Well, sometimes you just get that that gut feeling. You hear you hear this one step in particular. Like, man, they're looking at you know. Or it's it's got to be something other than a squirrel. And I just happened to look look to my left, and uh, sure enough, this buck is walking down my shooting lane at twenty yards. He slipped in on me. wasn't wasn't paying attention, and slipped in on me. And he was actually grunting at these does. Uh, in mid-october and it was kind of like harassing them uh pushing them around and the uh the illegal shooting light came and they're just out in front of me um, probably 20 25 yards and it's 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 gray light I can't really see what they're doing but I knew that they, it was that that deer because I saw them before light faded and I probably sat in the stand a good 45 minutes after it got completely dark and just listened to him bump these does around. It was grunting the whole time. It was, uh, it was insane. It was probably one of the first times that I, that I had heard that, uh, or experienced that. And, uh, I didn't, I didn't want to get down, but, uh, yeah, the, uh, Kyle started howling and I knew it was time to get out of there.
1: Yeah. I think it's a lot of what us, us bow hunters love is those close encounters. I mean, even if you, you know, you don't get to shoot something. You, those close encounters are some of my favorite things. I got, for two years straight now, I've got these, I they're not the same ones, but these twin fawns that come to this property I hunt, and it's almost like clockwork. Every night they will come and they are underneath me. I mean, I could jump on top of them if I wanted to for, for what seems like it forever sometimes. And, you know, it, it's, it's, you get to be with them, I guess, sometimes. When you're, when you're a bow hunter, you, you sometimes, even when you're not killing, you're right there with them. And you learn a lot about them by being there. And, uh, yeah, sometimes, it, you know, it's not always about the harvest. It's, it's about just, just being out Seeing there. what you saw, you know? Hearing a, I, first time I ever heard a buck grunting in the wild was one of my favorite things. I watched, what was it 3 years ago I watched two small young bucks fight right in front of me. I mean, who gets to see that? Not very many people. Not a lot of people, you know, and you got to you got to appreciate those things and you get to learn from them all at the same time.
3: Right. I um so I took took that night and I still had the next day to hunt and I tried I tried my luck and uh, the wind actually switched the next morning. Uh, I slid back to that same spot. And I should have known better. But I, I slid back to that same spot just thinking maybe uh, he might slide back through on his way to, to bed because I assumed that he was coming. Excuse me. Um, I, I assumed that he was bedding on the elderly man's property since it was so thick, it just made a ton of sense. That's the direction that he came from. Um, so I was like, uh, maybe maybe I'll catch him going back to bed. And of course, wasn't the case. And I ended up seeing like two or three uh, younger bucks that morning that were, you know, taking that that bottleneck. So I knew it was a good spot. And I spent uh, my work schedule at that time was a little weird. Uh, I was working uh, two weekends on, two weekends off, um, which is which is just absolutely terrible. You have to work on weekends. But what kind of um,
2: what kind of work do you do? I guess we never covered that.
3: Uh, so I actually work down in Arkansas. I know you were talking about being a hog <laughs> early. I <laughs> uh, actually work down just right on the other side of the state line is uh, for a steel mill. I do. Uh, I uh, my technical title is a uh, chrome plater. Okay, um, that's cool. So it that's a that's a, it's a, it's a huge uh, huge another topic to discuss, but. <laughs> <laughs> So your, your schedules
1: but, change on you, and yeah, so you have to work two weekends on, two weekends off, you said?
3: Yes, so at that, at, at that time uh, in 2019, I was working two weekends on, two weekends off, and that weekend in particular was my second weekend off. So I was going to have to work the next two, but that would mean I was off the first two weekends in November. Um, so going fast, you know, I had that encounter with him, and... I spent the next two long week weekends at work, mm-hmm. uh, during, which is what, what seems to be my favorite time to be up there. Cause that's when the truck cameras are just crazy is the last five or six days in October. My truck cameras just, just go nuts with deer activity. Uh, and then it, it translates into the first week of November. So I spent the next two weekends at work and just absolutely was dying to get back. And I finally had – I had planned it out for my weekend – my weekends off. At the beginning of November, I took off uh, the Friday before and the Monday after. So I was able to stretch out a weekend. And I spent the first weekend of November – Uh, just, just chasing, uh, you know, rutting, rutting bucks, so to speak, because every, every encounter that I had at the beginning of November, it was, it was bucks chasing. Uh, I was just catching glimpses of deer here and there because once, once the rut starts, uh, man, you just have to be where those deer are at uh, or where they come through in order to get lucky because, you know, not holding bucks throughout the summer and not, uh for sure, knowing where your does are betting at, um, it's it's really hard. You mainly just have to guess, uh, you know, pick a spot and play the win uh, and go with it. So I spent that first weekend off um, just kind of just, just being out there and um, didn't have a whole lot of action that first weekend off. But the next the following weekend that I was off, I was able to take off uh, on that friday and this is where the story uh gets uh gets kind of wild but i was able to take off that friday uh of the second week in november so it would have been uh november 8th friday november 8th um, i slid up to the farm uh, i actually slept in that morning which i don't know why i did but uh, I slept in that morning, uh, grabbed all my gear, headed up there. It's about it's about an hour and 15-minute drive from where I live to a, okay. to a farm. Um, so I slid up there, got up there in enough time to hunt Friday afternoon, and I was in what I call the North Pasture, uh, which is where I was uh, getting pictures of of other bigger deer than the deer that I ended up killing. Um, so I wasn't really after the eight pointer. It was really one of those things that if I saw him, I was going to shoot him, but I was after, uh, probably like a one hundred and fifty mainframe 10 pointer. And just a massive, uh, massive deer, biggest deer that I had on trail camera, uh, ever up there. And, um, so that Friday, uh, of November 8th, um, it's it's early. It's probably three thirty. I'd only been in the stand for maybe thirty minutes, and uh, it's another live and learn moment. I'm um, uh, in one spot in particular. It's closer to a an ag field, a, a private ag field, on the very northern end of our property, and it's just a, a perfect funnel once again. Uh, it's in between uh, a private pasture and a private. Uh, section of timber and on the northern end uh it was a cut cornfield um so I'm hunting this this transition and I'm standing up in my stand uh my on my phone just leaned up against the tree not paying any attention and once again leaf crunches I look up and that main frame 10 is at 30 yards just staring at me (laughs) and it's. I knew as soon as I saw him that I completely was, was done. And he put his head down and and continued to walk towards me. And I was like, there's no way. I, I know he saw me. So I slid my, slid my phone back into my chest pocket. And I had one window that he was going to walk through and I had ranged a tree behind that window at 25 yards And I had a single pin. It was a black gold, uh, single pin slider. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, uh, I arranged that tree at 25 yards, but, uh, he was standing in front of the tree, obviously. So I grabbed my bow. He walks through that window. I was able to turn my dial to 25 yards and I'm, I'm 15 foot off the ground and not knowing any better. I. I aimed at him with my, you know, after turning the dial 25 yards, I shot over his back. And shot over his back. I watched just watched the arrow sail right over his back and he, you know, he didn't really know what was going on, uh but he knew where the shot came from. He kept his eyes on me for a good um for a good minute. Or,
2: felt like an felt hour, like an hour and a half. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. So he kept his eyes on me, and I was just – I humiliated. And uh, I ended up – he finally worked his way off. He blew and got out of there. Uh, I remember grabbing my hat. Like, I, I threw it on – like, threw it out of the stand. Like, I was just pissed. And, uh, I was – you know, I, I shot all summer long after getting that triax. Like, was confident, and I did not factor in the fact that I'm 15 foot in the air. He was probably only 22 yards I should have just used, kept it on my, kept it on 20 and let it, let it rip. And uh, I just completely goofed on the biggest deer that I'd ever shot at, uh, to that point. So I remember texting my grandparents cause, um, you know, they were up there with me and I remember texting both of them and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm it, like, like I'm coming in and it's only like three thirty. It's early. I'm coming in
1: like, did you mean, like, done with life at that moment? <laughs> <laughs> like, did your grandparents have to worry about you? Because <laughs> I know no, I'd probably have been like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> just going to jump off this <laughs> yeah, tree I'm real gonna quick. I'm going to jump out of this tree.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm coming in. Like, I'm coming up. Like, you know, and uh, my grandma texted me back and asked me what happened. And I, I texted her the story, and she was like, well, you never know what, what can happen. Like, just, just sit tight. Uh, you know, whatever. So I ended up sitting till dark. Never saw another thing. Um, it had to do with the whole walk of shame. Pick up my hat off the ground, and uh, I walked back to the truck. And I, uh, I just told them what happened, and uh, you know they kind of consoled me a little bit, told me to stay in there. But I mean, I, you know, we've all been there. It's very hard to overcome a miss. It's it's very hard, uh, especially being especially being new. Um, you know, I, I, obviously I thought I had it all figured out. Um, I had practiced that shot a million times and when the opportunity presented itself, you know, I guess, I guess it was my time to learn that lesson the hard way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so,
1: buddy, uh, I, I can't tell you, I bet, I don't know numbers. It'd be interesting to do a study on this someday, but the amount of new bow hunters that the first buck they ever shot at. Did they get it or not? Because yeah. first buck I ever shot at, I I never recovered him. I hit him and I thought he was dead, but I never. We never found him. And so there's me, there's you. I don't, know. Micah. Do you ever? Do you remember your first buck you ever shot at? I had my eyes closed. I remember that, but I got him. <laughs> so you <laughs> got lucky him. as hell. Yeah, I got lucky. That's what happened. You know, I mean, you know, you can't be. The, there's there's plenty of people out there that remember that first buck they ever shot at. Yeah. That they don't have hanging on their wall, I can promise you. So, I mean, it is it, it, it happens. That's that's called learning. Yeah, is what that's called.
3: Um. So. So the next next morning rolls by, and like this, the the inexperienced me, uh, I go back to that stand uh, once again, just hoping that he pushes a doe through that area. Um, I sat there till about nine thirty, ten o'clock. Of course, didn't happen. And, uh, so fast forward to Saturday evening, um, I was back in the stand, the South stand that I encountered, uh, the eight pointer, uh, in a few weeks before. And dude, I had, uh, uh just, just an absolute goose egg, uh, zero deer out of that stand Saturday evening coming off a miss, uh, spent that whole day Saturday, beat myself up and tanner was in a cam- dark place yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> the, the all the trail cameras were were showing that 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 the property was hot uh and the south uh stand the the camera location was was just right at the beginning of that bottleneck probably 80 yards away from my set and uh dude i had a ton of pictures of bucks just in and in that bottleneck in daylight, uh middle of the day, just cruising uh throughout all hours of the night. And that eight pointer was showing up. He was the most consistent buck on that camera. And I knew I was like, man, that that's the book. That's he's just the I guess he was the dominant buck in that area and he was just most consistent on camera. And after that Saturday, evening hunt after not encountering anything after the trail cameras were telling me that deer were in the area i was just down and out i I could have i'm pretty sure i did flip a coin uh when i got back uh saturday night to 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 decide where i was going to hunt the next morning and based off uh just trail camera photos and data i went back and looked at all the pictures and most of the activity was in and around first uh, the first thirty minutes of daylight, and then there was a few uh, midday, and of course, you know, four a.m., you know, midnight, and so I flipped a coin. I uh, don't really know what what I called, but I ended up going back to that south set. And um, when I when I send you the picture, uh, I might just send you like the whole post because it, it was just uh, just I, I just won't forget it. Um, I remember getting to the stand that morning. Like, just I was almost like late, um, like right at uh, almost legal shooting light. I got into the stand, got harnessed in, pulled pulled my bow up, put it on put it on the hook, knocked an arrow. I just happened to check my phone. It was like six eighteen, and the legal shooting light was like right at six eighteen in that that morning, and. I checked my phone, let my grandparents know that I was in the stand. And I, I kind of just leaned my head back on the tree and just kind of, you know, took a deep breath. And I was like, all right, uh, you know, what, what what's happened has happened. Uh, it is what it is. like, you know, mentally get ready for today because, you know, it could happen at any time. And I shit you not, uh, I stood up, folded my seat up and just kind of stood there and I looked to the right uh, to my immediate right and right through my first opening that eight pointer it has his head down nose to the ground coming straight at me and i just knew it was kind of it was very gray lightish i knew it was a good deer i could see that it was a bigger body deer um, he's working his way towards me fast and i just had enough time to pull my my binos up uh i could see him through the binos i could count all eight points i was like that that is him like that's him and, and reached over, grabbed my bow. By the time I turned around, the deer is like 15 yards in front of me. He's quartering to me. Um, I was shooting the, the, the tri-ax um, with a uh, 60-pound draw weight with the eastern axis arrow and a fixed blade broadhead. I believe it was a wasp uh, broadhead. He was quartering to me. Um, I had seen numerous videos of quartering two shots with fixed blade broadheads, and man, I just uh drew back stopped him he was quartering to me when i stopped him just tucked it right on his shoulder uh you know released the arrow watched it thumping you know i watched him kick uh he ran jumped the fence and uh it just happened like that as fast as i'm saying it is as fast as it's happened yep and uh once i watched once i'm still holding the bow and I watched him, you know, I watched the arrow hit him, saw where it hit him, watched him jump the run, run probably 40 yards, jump the the neighboring fence. And he was actually going back uh, to bed. I believe he was going back to that real thick property. And uh, that's the direction that he ran. And I just put my, set my bow back down on the hook. And I was like, holy shit. Like, like that just happened. Like, <laughs> and uh sorry and just called <laughs> called my grandma and i was like uh i just shot that eight-pointer and she was like what no way like can you even legally shoot i was like yes barely <laughs> and, uh i was like yeah you all y'all, y'all grab the 4 uh in about 30 minutes and like come meet me and they're like you know all right sweet and uh you know i'll never forget it. i'll never forget climbing down out of the stand um, so excited. I couldn't wait. I didn't wait the whole 30 minutes until they got there. I got down, looked for blood. Um, and I saw him, you know, jump the fence and he struggled to jump the fence and, um, they got, my grandparents got there. I told them, you know, what happened? Uh, we picked up the blood trail to where he crossed the fence at. And the elderly man that owns that property had told me, uh, a couple years prior that if I ever shot a deer, and it crossed his property to go and get it. Uh, you know, I didn't have to call him or anything. So we were all clear on that. And, uh, you know, I had to climb under the barbed bar wire fence. Uh, he ran probably another 40 yards on the other side of that barbed bar wire fence, man. And, uh, there he was, man. I'll never forget, wrapping my, wrap my hands around him and, uh, taking pictures, man. I got him drug up. Um, to uh to the cattle pond right on the edge of the the property got some nice pictures with me, man and it was uh it's a hell
1: of a day that's awesome man not a better feeling yeah i i try to when i'm going reliving my stories you know the ones i was involved in <clears throat> i try to go back to that moment i touched them yeah. you know that moment that you as soon as you grab that rack or whatever you, you know, kill. But for me, it's it's a, a, a whitetail that really gets me. And as soon as you pick it up, several things happen. At that moment, you know it's over. You, He's dead. Uh, I've, I've now got you in yeah. my hands. It's almost a little sad, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, it's just there's a lot of – honestly, of- there's a lot of emotions that hit you at that moment. You know, all the hard work you've been putting in, the – the bad thing that happened to you a few days prior, all that stuff is now gone. And you know, what I worked for is right here in my hands and it's over. I got him. Uh, now all that shit before then, when you're waiting and looking on the blood trail, (laughs) that's not fun. I do not enjoy that (laughs) because (laughs) there's so many unknowns, you know, well, what, what if he's not dead? What if I didn't hit him right? You know? And, uh, yeah, that that moment is probably one that hopefully you'll never forget. And when you relive these stories, I I tell people that's the moment you need to try to always go back to and remember. And, uh, man, I'll never forget uh, Russell, the one we've talked about in this show before. My first bow kill of a buck, he actually took a photo of me as I'm bending down to, to, to touch him for the first time. And so I've got, it's a horrible picture because I'm moving and I didn't know he was taking it, but I'll never, you know, I'll always have that picture of that moment. I'm about to experience my first buck in my hands with a bow. And, uh, I'll always be thankful for that picture, even though it's garbage, you know, it's just, it, it's only for me. And, you know, so that, that's gotta, you had to feel great is what I'm saying. And, uh, congratulations. That's, that's, uh, that's how that's why us bow hunters do. That's that, why we do it right there. Yeah. So he was what about so, fifteen yards?
3: You said, right, fifteen yards, uh, quarter and into me, and and uh, I just like I said, I, knowing that I had a penetration arrow with a with a fixed blade uh, broadhead, I felt comfortable taking that shot. I know a lot of people harp on that, but you know, shooting a sixty pound bow with a penetrating arrow, you know, it, it did the trick. The I watched the arrow burying him, probably over halfway and uh when i came up on the deer you know i could see that the lung blood coming out of his out of the the entry hole so i knew i was like man that that's a shot i will continue to take if that's the only one i and uh, yeah i just uh like i said that that moment you know when you walk up to the deer and like put your hands on him like you know the shot only takes seconds but what you know what it what it took for me to get there is is the overwhelming feeling and um, that I think that deer was the one that definitely did me in. Um, because since, since that, that kill, um, I've, I've just had, I mean, just head over heels for, uh, <laughs> for that, that feeling again. Yeah. And, and you'll kill, but, uh,
1: you're, you're young, you're in your early 20s, right? I mean, you're, right. I promise you, you will kill many more bucks in your bow hunting career or life and at least for me you know my first bow kill uh, I think he was 128 inches or something like that that'll be my favorite deer forever probably I mean you know they all have really cool stories one way or another you know but I mean there there's never one that kind of beats that first one and uh, so yeah you're always going to remember that and, and to be able to and the cool, the other cool thing about the first time you touch them is you start seeing all the details about them that you don't really notice on trail camera photos, and even seeing them in person, you know, you get to see all the cool little features on their rack, on their their body, you know, just cool stuff about them that is really fun. So, congratulations, man. That's that's a terrific story, and you you put some some things in here that a lot of seasoned hunters throughout this, this episode, a lot of seasoned hunters don't even do a good job of, Mm -hmm. you talked about reading other hunters, that property next to you, the hunting club. And then the old man, um, the elderly man that doesn't, uh, hunt. There's a lot of people that don't do a good job of paying attention to what's going on around them. You know, if you got, you're surrounded by other hunters, pay attention to what they're doing. and, Tanner did that right off the bat and I guarantee you he was he was capitalizing on what that hunting club had going on over there. Oh yeah. Um because I guarantee you those deer are getting pushed around and not not it's a bad thing, it's just how it is. There's other hunters and that's really no different than a lot of people on public land do. You walk in and there's a dude sitting here, use that to your advantage. You know? Not not oh, today's over. No, it's just another opportunity to be somewhere else. That's that's the way you got to look at it. So, and then another thing you mentioned was uh, reading those doe's body language when you saw him for the first time in in real life. Uh, great, great job there too. Reading body language on deer is is a great way to uh, kind of, <laughs> I don't know, know something's up, like you were saying, and you you were right. Uh, so, yeah, you're you're well on your way to being a uh BA <laughs> with that bow as far as that goes. I mean, hell your first two freaking years bow hunting, you kill a doe and then a buck. So uh, yeah, I think you're well ahead. Of a lot of people in their first right. two damn years,
2: I killed one my first year and then I didn't kill one with my bow. It had to have been probably three or four more years till I, and then I I got a few does, right? And then I didn't kill another buck. I think it was 2014 yeah 14 was when i went with amy or whatever and got that one so i mean yeah they're few and far between
1: yeah so yeah so man congratulations that was a great story uh you told it well um what was uh what was something before we kind of wrap this up what was one of your i mean what was the biggest thing you learned from that experience with him And, uh, something you'll take with
3: you moving forward and have probably used since then. Um, I would, I would say, like I I mentioned a few times that, you know, the inexperience, uh, side of things was, you know, applying more pressure when the deer weren't there. Um, I realized that, uh, you know, some spots just, you know, just need rest. Um, you know, trail cameras, uh, man, they're just, uh. I don't know. It was just game changing and effectively using trail cameras, uh, definitely contribute, contributed to my success. Um, so trail camera data, um, definitely helped me grow in that situation. Uh, you know, overcoming adversity, you know, we're all going to face it, uh, at some point. So man, just as long as you do your homework, uh, you know, the deer in the area, you know, keep your pressure to a minimum. Um, and, you know, when the shot comes, uh, execute. And uh, I've taken that, uh, you know, just definitely it's molded me into the, the hunter that I am now. And, um, you know, what's what's really crazy about the story, too, is exactly a week later, uh, the following Sunday uh, was Missouri's uh, rifle season. Uh, it was the second day of Missouri's rifle season and I killed my biggest buck to date out of the same stand seven days later, but it was with a gun. Um, and I can, I can send you that picture too. I know when we messaged that, uh, you said you preferred the, the bow kill, but the, the cameras, like I talked about where we're still showing that bucks were prevalent in the area and, uh, this buck in particular, I had never seen on any of my cameras, so it's definitely just a just a rut rut buck. My mm-hmm. uh, biggest deer to date. It was actually a uh, thirteen point, non typical deer. It's pretty gnarly deer. I'll send you that picture as well. That's awesome. awesome.
1: You know, I mean, it's difficult for a brand new bow hunter to get the hell out of the woods, but yeah, sometimes exactly. that's the best hunting you can do. Is it's not not hunt. Because, I man, I'm telling you, and there are, I did it. I did it for two years straight. We probably you know, all I do. just hunted my ass off, and then wondered why I never killed nothing. And the year I killed my biggest uh, bow kill to date, still actually the buck that started this whole podcast, actually, mm-hmm. um, I I made a decision to stay the hell out of those woods for almost a full month, and that was a long month to not go hunting. But I I. I truly believe that's the reason he's on hanging on my wall and in my freezer. Well, it wasn't my freezer um, because you stayed out and boy, that's gotta be hard for a brand new bow hunter to go. Well, I guess I'll stay home, (laughs) you know, not put pressure on him,
3: but I I, I guess that would be the only time I uh, credit my, my work to my success because having to work probably uh, helped you. Yeah. Yeah. Limited my, limited my hunting time, which later helped, because I firmly do believe if I'd have had those weekends off, I'd have been in that stand, I'd, I'd have wore it out, uh, covered the ground with my scent. You know, I definitely think those bucks would have, uh, they probably would have been in the area still, but just mainly nocturnal. Uh, most of the activity would be at night. So I, I was, will give uh, my work schedule credit uh, <laughs> on that. Um, and, uh, I know that this story was from 2019, so you guys are probably wondering what the hell happened in 2020, and it's basically, long story short, uh, trying to, trying to film, self-film, uh, your hunts, and continue to grow as a hunter is very hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
1: And it's not always daisies and sunshine. Uh, you don't kill one every year. (laughs) So I'm guessing 2020 didn't go well as far as that goes, but... Uh. Well,
3: I just had, I mean, I had numerous encounters with two- and three-year-old deer, but after 2019, I'm not after two- and three-year-old deer anymore just because I know the caliber of deer are there. If I play my cards right, uh, you know, there's definitely deer on the property, especially last year I had um, pictures of deer that were well over 150 and uh, that's where my target was set at. I set my goal, my, you know, my standards to those deer, and uh, that's, you know, what it's going to take is maybe a year or two of not killing anything, uh, then so be it. But, um, but, yeah, man, 2020 was definitely a big learning curve too, man. Um, so I'm uh, looking to capitalize on over the past couple of years and, and uh, killing something this year.
1: There you go, man. Yeah. Yeah. We, it's, uh, I tried the whole filming thing and I'm not saying I won't do it again, but, uh, I, I respect the hell out of people that self film themselves, uh, because you are adding another element that you don't have to add to, to the difficulty level. And, uh, I did it for a while and I might, I took my camera a lot last year and I didn't use it almost ever. Um, So yeah, that, that you're definitely adding something, but you know, if you can catch it on film, uh, that would be really cool. I mean, you know, that's just another memory for you. So, uh, good luck on getting that done too in 2021. But, um, yeah, man, we really appreciate you coming on. It was a great story. Um, a lot of, lot for people that can learn, you know, even if you've been hunting for decades, um, you can learn from the the guy that just started hunting. In fact, they're probably a lot more sponges, new hunters than guys that have been hunting for 20 years. And, uh, you know, somebody that's listening, that's been hunting for a long time, probably can learn from something from what you said tonight. So, um, we appreciate your time and, uh, you got anything else for them, Micah? No, let's go. Tanner, you got anything?
3: Ah, uh, man, I just want to, uh, want to thank you guys for, uh, having... I know it's, uh, like I said, it's, uh, uh, it's late, but, uh, man, if you you guys ever, uh, need another late night, late night call, man, you know where I'm at.
1: Sounds good. We, awesome, man. We, we appreciate it. it, buddy. Yes, sir. All right.
2: Thanks for joining us on that one. It was good tales of the chase, which we, you know, I haven't the, had, we haven't had one of those for a while. I know. I know. I was thinking about so that. I, was, I, I enjoyed tonight's show. Yeah. Whenever this got brought up, uh, you know, through Instagram or whatever it was, I was like, man, yeah, that would be a good one, you know, because this time of year, you kind of question what you want to have on, you know, because obviously not really hunting much. This time of year when it's hot as it is outside, I question a lot of things. Yeah. Like life in general. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can't say too much about today because the day was literally high of
1: 75. Today was, yeah. But I get what you're saying. But when tomorrow it's 98 and I'm, you know. What What's the term you keep saying? Sweating your balls hot as, off. Hot as balls. Yeah,
2: <laughs> hot as balls outside. Yeah. But anyways, thank you, Tanner, for uh, coming on the show and uh, giving us that awesome story, man. You know, you did a great job uh, presenting it, and I really think you painted a good picture for us.
1: Yeah, and I'll tag all these in the show release, but uh, like Tanner said in the show, he's uh, <clears throat> filming himself now, mm-hmm. and they've got a YouTube channel uh, that they're – that they're doing this, and it sounds like he's going to keep trying to film uh, this year. So everybody should go check it out. Uh, I'll, I'm going to check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like watching stuff, especially if it's not long. You know, if like a, an hour show, I am much more apt to watch a 10-minute ten, ten minute show clip or whatever you call it compared to an hour-long show because I got 10 minutes sometimes. Yeah. I mean, every morning when I sit on the throne. Yeah. <laughs> is that when you can take care of the that's nathan time that's nathan time, that, that's nathan time. <laughs> i can watch whatever i want I can do then. whatever the hell i want yeah that's my that's my organization my life start you know well, there you go and my wife's like why the hell are you in there for that long i'm busy i watched two shows <laughs> <laughs> so all right but, well hope everybody enjoyed that one and has a great day yep have a good one see you